Happy Saturday, crazies. Welcome back to Brutal, the podcast where we're brutally honest because honestly, it's brutal out there. Alternatively known as the podcast where we tell you what you don't want to hear. Today we have Brooke DeVard in the pod, such an incredible guest, so accomplished. I was borderline intimidated talking to her because she's so impressive and cool. And we are talking about everything from long distance relationships to spotting red flags early to skincare and more. So I won't make you wait too long before we introduce Brooke, but let's go through and do the brief and brutals, aka quick answers to questions we got on Instagram this week. Question number one, or comment number one, I should say. Loving the show so far, one point for clarification, the most recent guest used that buzz phrase, don't take yourself too seriously, several times. I'm sure he meant well, but it can come off poorly from the broader meaning that most guys will say that to discourage women from having boundaries or their own opinions. Okay, absolutely fair. I will say, like, I have to defend Harrison because I think, like, he runs a comedy show, so, like, he he can't possibly not be on board with like not taking yourself too seriously I guess you could say um and yeah I don't think he was he was saying it in the context of like women should not take themselves too seriously I think he meant more like people shouldn't take dating so seriously because it puts them in this position where they're like upset or like so intense or like have to find someone because you know in general that's gonna lead to like a lot of disappointment Question number two, I matched with a guy in a dating app. He replied to one of my photos saying, this is a lovely sight, winky face emoji. And I replied, hey, nice to meet you. Then he said, same here. How are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm doing great. Thanks. Then he said, not really good with conversation, are you? What do you make of this? Hmm. Okay. I hate when guys do this. Um, I just think it's like he could have asked you another question or like asked to try to coordinate a date. Like... I don't know. I just think this is it's like giving pen pal. It's like, okay, were you expecting like Shakespearean literature? Like, should you send him a scroll with like calligraphy of your life story via carrier pigeon? Like we're on a fucking app where we're basically playing hot or not swiping yes or no to pictures of like complete strangers, like accompanied by these like meaningless replies to prompts that are basically all the same. Like I just don't see any reason for like him to be so critical and rude immediately. And I know it's only one message, but like I don't know. It just seems unnecessary. It's like, would you ever say that to a complete stranger? Would you be like, not very good at conversation? Are you like, imagine yourself saying that to someone like I can't imagine myself saying that to a complete stranger. So like the fact that he feels comfortable saying it to you, even if he is joking, which like, frankly, it doesn't seem like he is to me. That's like next. Like that's icky. I don't know. It's unnecessary. Question number three. On dating apps, I usually ask guys what they're looking for before we meet up in person because I want to make sure I'm not wasting my time. Some guys say they want to meet and see the vibe, quote unquote, or hang out and see where it goes. What does this mean? Okay, asking guys what they're looking for will absolutely not prevent you from wasting time um, because most guys will just tell you like what they think women want to hear, aka like, oh, I'm looking for a serious relationship. Like, Or they will give you a vague answer, um, exactly like the phrases that you just listed, and you'll still be confused and writing into podcasts asking what they mean. Um, So just don't ask them what they're looking for because it is completely useless to ask. Some guys are looking for a serious relationship and they know that. Some guys want to use the dating apps to like meet and sleep with as many women as humanly possible for the least amount of money and effort as they can possibly put in. And most guys don't know what they're looking for, Um, but if they met the right girl, they might want something serious with her. But they don't know that yet. Like, they just know whether they find you attractive or not based on your photos. So meet up for a quick drink. Just observe their behavior. Like, use your brain. Trust your gut. Get to know them. um, And get to know them slowly and, like, smoke it out. Like, if a guy really likes you, he will stick around even if the relationship is progressing slowly. Whereas if a guy is not looking for something serious with anyone – he will probably drop off the face of the earth if you haven't slept with him by like the second or third date and that's totally fine like weed them out with regard to phrases like meet and see the vibe or like hang out and see where it goes (laughs) I think that unless these phrases are followed by a concrete plan to like take you on a proper date and get to know you They usually just mean that they want sex um, without commitment and they will later hold it against you when you want more and say, well, I said I just wanted to see where it went. Um, 
like if a guy is like I just want to hang out and like see where it goes and then like he asks you to like come over to his house and watch Netflix like don't be stupid but if they say like oh I want to meet and see the vibe like can you get dinner on Thursday or like are you available for drinks like on Saturday that's fine they genuinely are just like trying to meet up with you and like see the vibe so okay that's all we have time for let's move on to our segment with Brooke Um, it's an amazing conversation I can't wait for you guys to hear it don't forget to write in your dating questions for next week's episode to podcastbrutal at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at brutalpod and without further ado here is Brooke All right, welcome back. This is Brutal, and please welcome Brooke DeVard to the pod. Brooke. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I'm really very excited to have you here. I think listeners will probably know you as the host of the Naked Beauty podcast, um, which, as I understand, has just celebrated five years on the air. Is that right? Yes, five years recording. How, how many episodes in are you? This is my... You're like my eighth or ninth recording, but I've only published five. So very early. Hey, okay. congratulations. It's, it's, a, it's a long journey, but it's so much fun. So rewarding. It's just a great opportunity to have conversations with really interesting people, have great conversations with like family and friends that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten to have. So it's been really exciting in that way. Um, but yeah, so listeners will know you're from Naked Beauty. Um, I think as like a, I would say a social media like maven. Um, I hate that word. I sound like I'm 90, but as a social media maven in your own right. Um, and as head of creator marketing at Instagram. Yes. Well, I'm not the, I'm not the head of creator marketing. Um, I lead the video team uh, for creator marketing, but yes. Okay. Awesome. I actually worked at Facebook back well, meta now, but back in the day, like 2017 to 2018. Um, so I was doing, yes, it was a little, it was early. I was doing ad sales basically. So for like global marketing solutions, I'm not even sure if it's still called that. Yeah, no, that team is still there. Were you in the New York office? I was in Austin, Texas. Oh, Austin. I've heard that's a really fun office too. The offices, the snacks, all of that is just wonderful. Um, well, I have to say like, I really admire you as a podcast host. Um, I think number one, you do a great job of like curating guests, curating content, and you also have such a good cadence of speaking. And so I really, I'm excited to have you. And I, I appreciate like the little guidance you've given me so far. I want to ask you a few questions about career first, and then we can get into some dating stuff because it is a dating podcast. Um, So as you know, like this is a super new podcast. I think, you know, when I was starting to reach out to people that I wanted to be guests, I specifically remembered an interview that you gave. um, And just like, yeah, the way that you spoke about dating and relationships, it really resonated with me. Um, And I think just something that you talked about, and I don't want to like put words in your mouth because I can't remember the exact phrasing that you used, but essentially just talking about not just playing hard to get, but the importance of actually like having a life that's so full and like busy and happy that anyone who wants to kind of come into your life and be a part of it needs to clear like a pretty high bar. So wanted to ask you some questions around like dating relationships, um, and then later on like marriage and balancing family and career. So you started Naked Beauty just over five years ago. Um, when you started the brand and I guess, did you start the podcast and the brand at the same time, or was it kind of two separate entities? Yes. So I think of Naked Beauty Planet as a community on Instagram. Um, but I started the podcast first five years ago. And then I'd say I started the Instagram account maybe two years after launching the podcast. So the podcast came first and I was very reluctant to like create a page only about the podcast, because as you know, not everyone listens to podcasts. Like that is something that you learn over time. And there may be people that want dating advice, but they're not going to listen to every single episode. So I was like, how can I create a home and a hub for skincare, hair care, beauty conversation, while still also promoting the podcast and talking about the new episodes we have every Monday. Um, But how can I really create a community around beauty and spotlight these incredible women that I'm having on the podcast? And my original intention was a lot like your intention. I wanted to have conversation with interesting women that I admired about beauty. And if people listened, that was great. And I can remember when I got like my first 200 listeners and when I got my first a thousand listeners, like how, how exciting it was that 200 people like took the time to listen to me speaking to someone for an hour was like 
exhilarating. Um, so I'm excited for you because I think your intention is very pure at the start. Anyone who gets into the podcasting game to make money is going to be sorely disappointed. Severely it disappointed. A, <laughs> yeah, it takes a very, very long time to build build an audience. But I love the topic of dating. I love what you led with about this this idea of not playing hard to get, but being hard to get. So I'm excited to talk to your audience a little bit more about dating. Okay. So the other question I had for you was, I guess, about the transition to working at Instagram. So how did that come about? How long have you been there? And then what was it kind of like transitioning into that role in addition to doing Naked Beauty Planet? Yeah. So um, I've been at Instagram for about three and a half years. Um, From the moment I started my podcast, Naked Beauty, I've worked. So it's always been something that I've done on the side. It's always been a side hustle. It's always been juggling a full-time career and then recording after work. Um, So I've always had to balance those priorities. I think the transition into tech was for me, pretty seamless. I had kind of worked in product marketing before. Um, and I was just such a big Instagram super user. I used to run Instagram for Ralph Lauren. Um, you know, so I was very, very familiar with the platform and how to use it and how brands approach it and how creators approach it. So I think because I was such a like super user on my own, um, it made a lot of sense, uh, for me to work at a company like Instagram. And I think it's like, if you were, do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I would say that I do. I have a weird variety of tastes. As as someone with like wide podcast tastes and someone who listens to podcasts, like if you were to like work at Spotify in the podcast department, you'd probably have really good ideas like on day one of the job because you enjoy the product already. So I think that made the transition easier for me. All right. Well, let's get into some dating questions. So for the listeners, what is your age and what is your relationship status? I am 32 and I'm married. Okay. So one thing I want to ask you about is kind of how you met your husband, what that, I guess, what were the circumstances of your meeting were, and then how did the relationship kind of like progress, um, and take shape, I guess, or get more serious. Yes. So we met, I was 23 at the time. I believe I was living in London. Um, it was the 2012 London Olympics. I always have that as a marker. And, um, a woman that I worked with was like, you have to meet this guy. His name is Umut. He does a lot of, you know, brand marketing work with Coca-Cola. He's always trying to figure out how like music and brands can work together. And at the time I was working on a series of documentaries about music culture all over the U S for Nokia. Um, and so she was like, you should talk to him. He'll, he'll have like great career advice. Um, he's doing an event at the Dorchester hotel. I'll introduce you guys. Um, so I met him there. I didn't really take him seriously. I think he was like on a date, but like he had like another woman there. <laughs> um, and I was, I was really truly approaching it from like a career advice standpoint. I introduced myself to him. We had drinks that night. It was a big group of people. Um, and then I ran into him a few more times in London, um, I ran into him in New York city at like some nightclub when I was back in New York for work. So I would see him around, but again, I did not take him seriously. I just kind of thought he was not like a player, but I did notice that every time I saw him, there were different women around. (laughs) I was like, Oh, he's not a consistent, uh, person. So I don't know if he's a girlfriend, but he definitely is entertaining a lot of women, but he was always very friendly, very nice. Um, and then as we began to talk more about work and, personal stuff came up, we just sort of connected and grew and and built from there. Okay. Interesting. So then, and were you still living, where were you living at this time? So I was living in London and he was living in New York. So I think one of the things that really accelerated the relationship was the fact that it was a long distance relationship. Have you ever been in a long distance relationship? Never done it. Okay. It's very intense. If you don't have like an end goal in mind, it's kind of painful. Um, for us, it was very romantic because we would basically pick all of these different cities to meet up in. So it would be like, okay, why don't we meet up in Venice this weekend? Or why don't we meet up in Amsterdam this weekend? Or I'm going to be in, uh, the U S for South by Southwest, you know, that big advertising conference or music and technology conference. Um, let's do a weekend in Austin and then maybe let's go to LA. So we basically had these with our work schedules, different weekends where we would meet up in various cities, which made it very romantic and very like whirlwind. But I think it also forced us to ask questions like, okay, what are we working towards sooner than we would have had to, if we were in the same city? 
when that conversation around, you know, where are we, where is this going? Like, what are we doing here? Came up, like, how did that come up? Who brought up that conversation? How did it kind of unfold? I guess. He brought it up very early on and I was like shook. Like I was, it really caught me off guard. I'd say like on my, on our third date, we were walking the Santa Monica pier and he like turned to me and he was like, you know, I like date like various people. And usually early on, I can figure out why it's not going to work. And with you, I just don't see any reason why this couldn't work out long-term. And I was like, okay. Like also you have to keep in mind, I'm like 23 at the time. So young, so young. Yeah. And I'm like, what does that mean? I don't see any reason why <laughs> this couldn't work out. Like, I don't, I actually don't know what that means. I mean, I, I got what he was getting at. Um, so I kind of knew that he was serious about me um, pretty early on in terms of like when we made the jump to like make it official. I personally don't believe in being the one to bring that up. I think you should keep your options open and enjoy and date. And then, I mean, don't like hurt yourself in the process, but I felt very comfortable in not being the one to bring up that conversation. And then it just reached a point where he was like, I only want to see you. Um, and that's how we became exclusive. I love it. Okay. Yeah. As at risk of sounding like very old fashioned and like I don't know. Some people are very against this, but I just, I have never personally had an experience and I have never witnessed a friend having an experience where they were the one to be like, what are we, where is this going? And it like ended well in the long term. Yeah. I don't know why it is. And I actually, I like, don't particularly care why it is. I just know that that seems to be how it is. And I don't, I, I don't know. I just think generally in heterosexual relationships, it seems like the guy, you know, they just seem to like, like doing a little bit of chasing, like at every turn. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the more you can encourage that, the better, as silly as that sounds. No, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And also at the risk of sounding old fashioned, I think that in those relationships, you just have to be aware of the dynamics and the fact that oftentimes um, men mature slower than women. So while a woman may be very much ready to commit. Um, it may take a man longer to be in that headspace of commitment. And I think you kind of want them to feel like if they're not actively bringing it up, then like, you're going to do your thing. And if they don't like take that step to like, make it happen, then they could lose you. Um, right. and that's, I don't think that's manipulative. I think that's just also the reality of how you have to approach dating as well. Right. It's just like be living your life. If somebody wants to lock it down, they need to tell you because otherwise like you're going to keep your options open and you're just going to have fun and go on dates and like me who you meet. A hundred percent. And this is part of like a larger theory I'm sort of working on or synthesizing. Um, when it comes to dating, I've observed that there seems to be like this spectrum, um, like along which women fall. And on one end, there are those women that we all know where it just seems like dating is just effortless and fun and they're going out, they're living their life, they're enjoying they just kind of like seem to know like what's going on with men and they just like don't seem to deal with that much BS. Um, and then on the other end, I feel like there are those women that we also all know who are like constantly going through it. You know what I mean? Like they're just always enduring like heartache or like they're confused or they don't know what's going on or like the fifth guy that they've had a month and a half long situationship with this year just dumped them again or just goes to them again. It's like, why does this keep happening? Um, and then there are women that fall somewhere in between, obviously. So before meeting your husband and when you were single and I guess like on the dating scene, so to speak, um, where on that spectrum would you say you fell and why? Yeah. So I think anyone who says that they haven't experienced like heartache or just embarrassing themselves, uh, in, 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 in dating is lying. Like it's going to happen if you're out there. Like, I don't think anyone escapes dating unscathed. Um, and I've made several mistakes while dating that I think have allowed me to be in a position where I feel like confident giving advice, where I feel like I was able to like course correct and like turn around because I have been the person that, and looking back, like even just saying this out loud, like I'm cringing so hard, like even just remembering that I did this, but like I have been the person to call someone seven to 10 times when they didn't answer the first <laughs> time, which even as I say that, like what, like, like, okay, call one, call two, like, 
what's best case scenario? Like they pick up on the seventh call, like realizing that you're totally unhinged. Like it's just, (laughs) it's, but, but I've made those mistakes, right? Because there are times when you feel desperate and like, you just don't know. And you're just texting, like, please pick up. Like I would never do that after the fact, because I've learned from those experiences. But I think if anyone says that they've been like unscathed by dating and have never done anything embarrassing, I think they're lying. Um, I think it's just like part of how we develop. Um, but I also know what you're talking about when you say that there are some people that just constantly find themselves in situations where they're having their heart broken. And actually a friend of mine said, you know, like, how did you know to avoid people like this? She was dealing with someone who was a narcissist and, mm-hmm. um, like, she's like, how did you even know? Like, I feel like I have to learn from experience and other people just like know immediately. And I'm in these situations where I'm getting hurt. And I feel like I could have avoided them if I like knew the signs. Um, and some people do unfortunately learn better from experience, not just from hearing other people's experiences. So sometimes you do have to, unfortunately for some people experience a lot of the wrong thing to get you towards the right thing. And I don't think that's bad either. I think that if you are someone that's endured a lot of toxic relationships and you've taken time to reflect on how unhappy those toxic relationships made you when the right relationship does come around, you're going to be so much better suited and like appreciative of it because you've had, you know, what the flip side is. I definitely feel like I was someone who had to learn through experience. Um, I just hate to, it's like, I hate to see other women going through it. If I can like find ways to help women, like prevent themselves from going through that or just, you know, anything they can to avoid it. I would love to like be able to dole out that advice. And, and, and I'm with you on like avoiding it. I think one of the big keys to avoiding it is to listen to your gut and intuition. Um, I think a lot of us speaking, when I say us, I say women, we have this like natural intuition and like sometimes our gut tells us something's not right. And when I look back at like big mistakes that I've made, it's always been when I've um, overridden that intuition that I have. Yep. Or like I talked to myself or someone else talked me into thinking that my gut feeling was like crazy or wrong. That's always, oh. yeah, that's always red flag. That happens all the time. Someone will like tell you like, oh, you're overreacting or like do this instead. And you're like, ah, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling that that's not the right advice for me. Yeah. It's like, there's a reason you feel bad when certain things happen. It's like, it's okay. Go with it. Like trust it. I guess. So when you were single slash dating, like, were there any particular qualities or behaviors that were automatic, like deal breakers for you or just things that you kind of maybe not even consciously kept an eye out for, but just qualities that you were like, yeah, absolutely not. This is a great question. I think I'm someone who really values like honesty. Like I want to be with a good person, right? So anything that to me suggested that you were dishonest or didn't treat other people kindly or um, just, you know, that you weren't thoughtful. I think for me, those were like immediate red flags and it, it actually was just made me less attracted to you as a person. So it was easy for me to walk away. But yeah, I'd say anything that pointed towards uh, this person is not kind or um, considerate of others. Yeah, kindness and also... I don't know, their relationship with their family is a big thing for me because I'm close with my family. I have a big family. They're always around. We're always like bothering each other in each other's lives. So I feel like mm-hmm. someone who just doesn't have that, kind not that they don't have that kind of relationship with their family, but if they're not able to like empathize with that, it's just, it's going to be tough. Um, and yeah. also like, I well, want someone who's family oriented. That's hard though, right? Because you could fall in love with someone who unfortunately has like, you know, one of their parents is an alcoholic or they're no longer in communication with one of their parents because they feel like it's not good for their emotional health, Um, which, yeah, I mean, I think the ideal is that you're with someone who's family oriented as well and loves their family and has great relationships. But I do think that even if you want to build your own family with someone, that's a chance to start a new chapter. So I wouldn't let it deter you if someone's not family oriented. That's really good advice. I was reading the defining decade like last year, I think. And she has that whole chapter about um, how basically like choosing a life partner is the most important decision you'll ever make, obviously. Um, And part of the reason is that it's essentially your chance to like create a new family unit that can be, you know, better or different than like the one you had growing up. The last question around dating, something that we emphasize a lot on this podcast is just the importance of having boundaries and having standards And upholding those, even if 
you know, you have invested a lot in a given relationship. So, you know, obviously it's very easy for me to tell someone like, just dump him if they've been dating for five minutes or like a month, but it's really hard when just like, if you have a friend come to you and it's like the boyfriend of four years does something that you're like, that's a fireable offense, but you know, it's going to be really hard for them to make that decision because they have so much invested. Um, even if they, they know that it's not right. Right. So like when you were dating, I guess, did you ever find yourself in a romantic relationship or like a situation that you kind of just knew wasn't right for you, but that you're struggling to walk away from? Um, and like, how did you overcome that? If so, um, the relationship that comes to mind immediately, uh, what, how did I walk away from it? I was dumped. So <laughs> the person, uh, saved me from having to walk away from it because he broke up with me. Um, but you know, I think, I think sometimes you like, you know, if you're in a good relationship, like a healthy relationship, um, and you know, when you're in an unhealthy relationship. And I think it's interesting. And maybe it's even like a, it's just, I'm, I'm, and I'm complicating your question by adding a second layer. Are you watching Euphoria this season? I have only watched one episode of Euphoria, season one, episode one. I have to get into it. I'm behind on a lot of TV, but I'm, I'm familiar generally with what's happening this season purely through memes. Yes. Okay. Well, this isn't a spoiler, but Kat, who's one of the characters, she has a perfect relationship. She has a boyfriend who loves her and who's very sweet to her and does everything she wants him to do. And she's still not happy. And I think that's also interesting as well. I think sometimes we can get in a relationship where we're with like the person who's great on paper and they do everything right. And there are no fireable offenses, but you don't feel that spark, that connection, that energy. So how do you walk away from a relationship like that, where like they've actually done nothing wrong, but like you're not feeling it. And some of it is like maturity, right? So I think I have some friends that are like, yeah, he's great. He's so considerate, but like, I'm just bored. And I'm like, is it because you want a toxic relationship? And like, that's the only way you can get your adrenaline going. That's Um, a thing. That's very much a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. And sometimes it takes maturity to be with someone that, you know, it's not up and down all the time. It's just consistent. But sometimes you can also be with someone that's consistent and great and they do nothing wrong, but you don't feel that connection, that attraction, that pull. That's also not the right relationship for you. And I think that's really hard to walk away from too, because they've done nothing wrong. I would rather have someone cheat on me and I dump them than ever again, have to end a relationship with like a perfectly nice guy who has done nothing wrong, but who is just not the one, like it's the worst feeling in the world. And they, you know, sometimes the answer is just like something's missing and you don't want to feel that way for the rest of your life. Totally. And I think that's also something that's not discussed enough that breaking up with someone is like pretty much up there with getting dumped in terms of I'd rather get dumped. I'd rather get dumped any toll. day. Yeah. Cause at least you can be angry, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So f- just returning to your marriage really quickly. And then I have a few questions about work as well. How did you know, or I guess how, and when did you know that your husband was someone like you could see yourself marrying? You said he was ready to be pretty serious, like around the third date and kind of made that known. <laughs> how did you, or when did you know? Yeah, I think being around him and his family um, in Turkey, I I just really saw how much he valued family to your point earlier. Um, And I just saw like just what a good person he was around the people that have known him for the longest and have known him best. And I just felt so comfortable being integrated into that family unit. And again, he was always just so thoughtful and considerate of me. And we were able to have really long, meaningful discussions about any and everything. And that's something that I really value. And maybe that's like, you know, why I've gone into podcasting because I love to talk and I love to talk to people, but it was very important to me to be with someone that's like a talker, like someone that can like communicate and talk and talk about everything. And we would just find ourselves talking for hours, laughing about things. And I was like, this is someone I can really like enjoy life with. Um, and someone I could imagine building a family with. I love that. I agree. I want to be with a talker, just someone who can like (laughs) keep up, you know? Yes. Um, okay. So speaking of family, your son, who is like so cute, I can't stand it. And definitely the most fashionable, of course, the most fashionable baby I have ever seen in my life. (laughs) Um, so he's a little over one-year-old, right? Yes. Yes. 
And how has it been balancing like motherhood with your career? Because I feel like this is something I think about a lot. I'm 50, 50 on kids. I'm not really sure, but I do think like if I met the right person, I might lean towards yes. Um, how has, how has that been like balancing motherhood and, and career? Cause I do feel like you always yeah. hear like, you can't have it all and all those kind of platitudes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can't have it all at the same time is what I like to say. Um, so I think the first thing is that it's been interesting. I've seen women I know who have gone through like pregnancy and I think they call it the, what do they call it? The fourth trimester, basically that early stage of like when your baby's a newborn, um, who work for themselves and are entrepreneurs and people that have been at a company. So I have the benefit of having six months maternity leave paid, um, which is just time to like be at home and recover, which is like, I'm so grateful for that because it is very tag. Like those, those first like four months are like nothing prepares you. Like it is very, very, very intense. Um, and you're just basically like learning how to, to be a mom and how to feed a child. And it's a lot. Um, so to have that luxury of, you know, taking your paid maternity leave to focus on that, I think is, is a wonderful thing. Um, in terms of balancing everything, as I got back to work and I took a break from my podcast as well in that time, but as I got back to work and, and back to my podcast, I think it's like about, uh, I would use the term ruthless prioritization. So really prioritizing the things that are going to, uh, bring you joy, provide value to other people. Um, and not just saying yes to everything. I think I used to be a little bit like more like loose with my time. Um, I would like say yes to things that I was sort of like, so, so about now I'm very much like, do I need to be in this meeting? Do I need to go to this event? Do I need to show up to this dinner? Um, and if I'm on the fence, then it's like an immediate no. Um, and the other thing, people ask me how I do everything. And I just have to be honest and say, like, I don't sleep as well as I should. Like, I don't get enough sleep. Um, I have to literally pay a trainer to like show up at my front door to work out. Like, I will not work out unless she is in front of me and I have paid her to be here. Um, so I've kind of like had to like hack my life in a, I, I can't remember the last time I had my nails done. Like I've just given up on having my nails polished all the time. Um, so I, I, I kind of like hack my life in a way where the things that are like the most important, like, you know, eating well, staying somewhat consistent with my fitness regimen, obviously getting my work done, getting the podcast done. It's just like hard scheduled in. And then I just have, I guess, maybe less free time than other people. Um, and then we have, you know, we have a nanny, we have help. So that's, that's a huge help. I feel like that sounds like a good balance. And I, I really feel you on the prioritizing of the exercise and the eating. Well, it's, I feel like every time I'm like, feeling so depressed and horrible. I will eat a vegetable and feel better. Like within 20 minutes, it's like shocking every time I'm shocked. I'm like, Oh my God, like the cure. <laughs> so now that you're a mother and like your husband is a father, obviously, is there, I guess, is there anything that you've like come to appreciate about him more? Are there any qualities that you feel like are now like being amplified in fatherhood that, you know, you knew they were like good or they were green flags when you were dating. And now it's like, wow, I'm so glad I like saw that or, or that was important to me? Yes, that is a great question because you kind of start to see your partner in a whole new light and it was such a wonderful dad and all of the things like, you know, I always knew that he loved to have fun and had like a great sense of humor, but seeing him like play with our son, it's like so sweet. And I love just to see the way that they connect. Um, and he's also just so incredibly helpful to me. So he'll offer to like wake up early and like, you know, I'll take the morning shift, even though I took it the past two mornings or, okay, you have a late podcast recording tonight. I'll do bedtime routine again. So I think that like continual generosity on my husband's part is something that has made me fall more in love with him as we have co-parented. And I think just speaks to, um, I mean, in a lot of ways I got lucky. I wasn't thinking this far ahead, like, Oh, what's he going to be like as a dad? Um, but I've been very, very pleasantly, uh, surprised and pleased so far. That's awesome. That's like, it's probably such a, like, not, not that it would be a relief, but you know what I mean? Like, it's probably like, oh, great. Like I made the right, just like, I don't know, being married is one thing, but like creating life and like taking care of a human is another. So that's awesome. Totally. Totally. All right. So my last question about dating as a general topic, um, what do you think is the most brutal truth about dating and relationships that people are not ready to hear or just like not willing to admit? 
Yeah. Well, this is a cliched term at this point, but I, I'd like to go back to that term. Like if he wants to, he will. <laughs> I think that is just something that a lot of people aren't willing to hear. A lot of people make uh, a ton of excuses for people putting in like the bare minimum like, oh, well, he doesn't have like a great job right now. And it's like, he can take you to Central Park um, right. and like make a sandwich at home. Like he, he can find a way or, oh, he's working so hard. Like I'm sure he has 10 minutes of free time to call you back or text you back. I think a lot of times people um, over-rationalize for subpar effort. Um, and I think it's just important to realize that like, if someone likes you, like they will go out of their way, they will make time, they will find time, they will find a way. Um, and if you're not getting that, it's probably an indication of like interest level versus more of the things that you're rationalizing. Yeah, I could not agree more. And people really hate, they really hate hearing <laughs> if he wanted to, he would, because they are dying to find reasons that he may not have because of A, B or C. And it's like, I get making concessions for guys on certain things, but the rationalization of behavior, it's like if a guy you're dating does something where you have to, where you're, you would be embarrassed to tell your friend. And like the reason that you're giving for it is making you feel embarrassed. That's when, you know, I feel like I yes. agree though. Yes, yes, yes. The other hard truth I'll give for, for women to hear, um, on the flip side is I think a lot of people are more shallow than they, they care to admit. Um, so I have single friends that will be like, Oh, I want to be set up with someone. And I'm like, what are you looking for? And like, if one of the first things you say is like a height requirement, like you need to just be real on like what you're looking for. You're not looking for like a prom date. That's going to look good in pictures next to you. Like you're looking for a human connection. Now I understand if you're I'm tall, right. I probably wouldn't find myself physically attracted to someone who is like five, five, right? Like someone that's like extremely short. When people are like, he's gotta be above six feet tall. Like why? Like, I mean, truly like why? Like that just feels very arbitrary or when people lead with like the type of job someone has to have or how much money they have to make that. I think you need to do a little bit of self-examination about why you have that criteria um, because that's going to just, I don't know, close you off to, to certain opportunities or, or, you know, the, your potential soulmate. So I think that's another like hard truth that, um, a lot of single, I shouldn't say women, but just people need to reevaluate like what their criteria is. Yeah. And if that criteria is like conducive to a long lasting partnership, because eventually like you're both going to get old, you're not going to be like, hot anymore, even if they are tall, you know what I mean? Like it's, like, you're eventually going to just have to like sit and talk to this person for like 50 years. So hopefully you like talking to them. Literally like that is like, just so true. Like life is long. The like long, period of being yeah. like young and hot is it's, it's a blip. Yes. <laughs> so true. Let's get into some listener emails. So Okay. So the first question we got is how do you tell a good friend that their boyfriend objectively sucks and isn't treating them well? No other context was given. That is the question. Yeah. Objectively sucks. How do you tell a good friend? You don't, that's my, I, you, I want to hear what you think, but, um, my gut reaction is you don't tell your good friend that their boyfriend objectively sucks unless you are being asked for that advice. So that is certainly not something that you volunteer. Um, if someone says, Hey, do you like my boyfriend? Um, you know, you could say like, do I like them for you? Or do I like him personally? Um, personally, not a huge fan. These are a few things I've observed that, you know, you're probably aware of already, but I think to just like volunteer that you don't like someone's boyfriend is that's just not kind. No, there's no reason to as well, because then if it's unsolicited, I agree with you. I think if it's unsolicited, then, you know, if they eventually end up getting married, you are going to forever be the friend that made that comment about their significant other. Um, and if they break up, even then, like, it's not like you're going to be like vindicated. You're still going to kind of feel and look like an asshole. So I just think it's, it's like not the best move. Um, if it's unsolicited, if they ask you, I agree. I think you can gently say like, you know, I don't, and because you never know, right. Like you don't know the ins and outs of their relationship. Like 
I don't know. I've had friends date people where I was like, what is going on there? Um, and they eventually ended up getting engaged or getting married. And it was like, there's something there that maybe I don't understand. Right. Cause like we never, I don't think you necessarily know your friends in the same way that, um, you know, you know, a romantic partner or vice versa. With that said, I think I've had relationships where looking back, I was like, that guy sucked. I was so obnoxious in this relationship. It was not right for me. And I just wish someone had told me, but even if someone had told me at that time, I would not have, I would have been like, we're in love. Like you don't understand. Like I just would not have been open to it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just keep it to yourself. I would say. Agreed. All right. This listener writes to us. I'm a 30 year old woman and I've never had a real relationship, quote unquote, lots of dates, three monthers, prolonged situationships, et cetera, but never a serious boyfriend. Do you think the potential partners will view this as a red flag about me? Um, absolutely not. But also I don't think potential partners need to know that. Um, none of their business. And yeah, it's really none of their business. Um, I mean, I don't know. You tell me like when you're like going on dates in this day and age, do people ask questions like, tell me about your past relationships? Is that like a question that comes up in dating? Not on early dates, but I'd say like, you know, once you maybe have been on like four or five dates with someone, sometimes they'll bring up, I never ask guys like, what's your relationship history? When was your last relationship? Cause I think they can like <laughs> spook them. Um, but if guys, you know, yeah. ask you, I think, and I feel like our generation is more like commitment shy than I think ones that came before us. So I honestly know plenty of people, male and female who are, you know, 30 or around that age who just haven't had, like, it just hasn't happened yet. Same. And it's fine. Same. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's a red flag. I think it's circumstantial and situational in some cases. Um, I would say like, maybe it is worth some self-introspection. You know, I always say like, if the only common denominator is you like possibly look at that, but it sounds like, you know, you're having at bats. It just hasn't like turned into anything more serious yet. Um, I don't think it's a red flag. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a red flag. Um, I don't think it's information you have to volunteer. And I also don't think it's going to like put anyone off. Not if they really like you. Like if you're really, if they're super yeah. into you, they're not going to be like, she hasn't had any serious relationships. Something must be wrong with her. They're going to think like, she's such a great catch. How is she not? How has she slipped through the cracks? Yeah. And you could even like have fun with that, right? If it comes up, you can be like, I know it's shocking, isn't it? That like, no one's like locked me down. Like very <laughs> hard to believe, you know? Yeah. Use your advantage. Got to spin it. Exactly. All right. The next question, this is a longer one. I just learned that my ex-boyfriend who I dated for two years is now engaged to someone that he's only been dating for 10 months. I know everyone goes at their own pace, but I can't help but feel like crap. We broke up a year ago last February and soon afterwards he met her and they started dating in April and now they're engaged. I'm happily in a relationship with someone else who I believe is my forever person, but I can't help but let this bother me. When we were together, getting engaged and married was never really talked about much. So it hurts my feelings. Am I wrong for letting this bother me? Uh, yeah. It's so funny because my husband and I always talk about how all of his ex-girlfriends would be like, what? Like you got engaged after dating someone for like a year and you like with me, you like weren't ready for marriage. Um, <laughs> so this is like a common thing, right? Where people say that like sometimes a relationship like primes someone to like be ready for a longer term thing. Um which probably isn't the best feeling. I haven't been in this exact position, um, but it sounds like you're in a great relationship now. So, right. So why is it still bothering her? Like that's, I don't know. Yeah. But I, 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 I get it. Right. Like I get it. If she felt like this was her person. Um, and after two years they were like, no, I'm not ready. And then, but then that's like, he just found his person, you know, I don't know. I feel like just let it go. Love and light to them. Right. Like nothing but best wishes, like best wishes, as we always say. But I think <laughs> when it comes to these situations, I mean, you see this happen so many, like I think of my high school track coach. I don't know why I think of him every time it's example, but like he dated someone for, I remember like literally 10 years, which like, why are you dating this man for 10 years with nothing in sight? Um, and then he broke up with her and he got engaged to the next person that he dated within like a year and a half. And we were all like, what? Yeah. 
but it was mm-hmm. like he knew and that was it. I don't know. I really like the story about your husband on the third date being like, I just don't see any reason why this couldn't work out long term. Like I strongly feel that like men know pretty early on if they can like see a future with you or not. They don't necessarily have to know like on the third date, like, are they going to marry you? But they know if there's like a future there. Um, I think sometimes relationships like, you know, they, they drag out like longer than, than they should uh, for, you know, any number of reasons. But I think the trouble with this is that like women tend to take these sort of as like personal slights or like personal affronts. And it's like, yeah, it's truly not about you. Like, sorry that you wasted two years. I mean, not even a waste. You probably learned something. Um, it's just yeah. not about you, right? Like he met someone where it was the right fit. You weren't the right fit. You're with someone who seems to be the right fit. Don't, it's not about you. It's like about him and his choices in his life. So exactly. Try not to take it personally. Very well said, not about you. And I think, I don't know if maybe they're in the same friend group, but I would say like disin, like unfollow, disengage. Like you shouldn't even know all of this information about your ex about because soon, soon it's going to be the wedding pictures coming in and it's already making you feel some type of way. So I would just say, try to not even pay attention to what he's got going on and focus on your new relationship. Block and delete. I'm a big fan of block and delete. Not to like be hostile. It's just like, it's none of my business now. It has become none of my business and it's fine. And it's easier. I love that energy. I love that energy. People that are like, I'm still such good friends with all of my exes. I'm like, that is very interesting to me, but do what works for you. I feel like your philosophy on like life and dating, like if I had to summarize it would be basically you need to be out here doing what you love, like doing what you're passionate about, focusing on yourself, focusing on your career. Um, And again, like anyone who wants to be a part of your life or wants to be in your life in like a serious way will have to clear like a pretty high bar because so many people make their relationship or they make dating, they make guys like their entire world. And it's just, it's Mm. not like a mentally healthy way to live because it will make you upset. It will make you obsessive. It will make you like just unhappy in general. If you're like deriving all of this, like happiness and self-worth from like, did someone text me back or not? Or like, did my ex get engaged to someone else? It's like, Totally, you got to focus on you totally. and focus on like the positive in the future. Yes. And like the controversial advice I gave around, like, um, I think this was on, we met at Acme where I said, like, if someone asks you out like Friday night, like Friday morning to do something Friday night, like don't say yes was because my whole thing was like, it's not that you're like being manipulative or like lying or pretending to be busier than you are. Like you should have plans for a Friday night, even if it's just plans to like be at home and unwind and like Netflix and chill on your own, then like stick to those plans and like create like a healthy and fulfilling life for yourself. And if someone asks you with enough notice and like, of course, yeah, great. It would be great to be on a date. But I think I've seen so many people just like drop everything to prioritize a potential, not even your boyfriend yet, like some, some poten- someone who's potentially interested in you um, because of this, like, I don't know, fear that, I don't know if you're unavailable, that somehow that they're not going to be interested. And if they aren't interested because you're unavailable, then that's also not the person for you. So I think, yeah, just, just build your life, focus on you, focus on your career, on your friends, on going out, meeting interesting people, living life. And then if someone wants to be part of that, as you said, then they have to step up to the plate. I absolutely love that and could not, like, could not have said it better. Thank you. All right. So a couple minutes left to conclude, let us play my favorite game, Rose, Thorn, and Bud. So what was your rose and what was your thorn for 2021? And then what is your bud? Like, what are you looking forward to for 2022? Okay. My rose for 2021 was definitely travel um, because everyone got vaccinated. I was able to go to Turkey. Um, Mavi was able to meet all of his family in Turkey, which was just so special and so wonderful. And it was just like, it felt so good to just like travel again. And um, after like 2020, it just, it was so needed. Um, And I, I had like one of my best summers ever. So that was definitely my rose. Um, what was my thorn for 2021? I'm very conscious of this, this new term that um, actually younger people are helping me to recognize around toxic positivity. And I'm like, oh no, am I too like 
toxically positive. <laughs> but but uh, there were there were hard moments in 2021. I'm just trying to think about what they would be. I think I did struggle with just balancing everything that balancing act that we talked about before, just like getting everything done while still maintaining some semblance of sanity. I definitely had moments and nights where I felt like I'm at the end of my rope where I came to my husband, like I can't continue to juggle all of these things. Like something's got to give. Um, and that's something that I'm always continuing to reevaluate and reprioritize. So I'd say that was my thorn. And then, bud, the thing that I'm excited about for this year, goodness. I'm excited about this next evolution of Naked Beauty, not just the podcast, but Naked Beauty Planet, the Instagram account, because I am working on a plan now to give a voice to more of my community. So it's less about like me talking to them and more about my community talking to each other, um, which I think is kind of like the, of the way other people should be thinking about social communities. So that's what I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. I need to follow more because I'm very, I'm trying to be better about skincare. I like grew up in New Jersey and went in the tanning bed for a long time. So I'm, it's like recovery that now. Happens. It's yes, that it's happens. Tough. but you're, you have great skin. You look Thank great. You. So Thank whatever you so you're much. doing, it's working. We're trying, we're trying, but yeah, like the electric beach, it was rough. Um, but you know what? I was really tan at prom. So it was all worth it. Brooke. It was all worth it. <laughs> All right. Well, any last words for our delusional daters, our wonderful listeners, those about to be brutalized? Oh gosh. Um, hang in there. I hear that, you know, I didn't ever have to date with like the online apps and all of that stuff. So I would say like, have faith, hang in there. Um, make sure it's fun. If anyone gives you a bad feeling or just leaves you feeling, I don't know, less sure of yourself. That's just like, I cut it out. Um, and just try to invite as much good energy into your life as you can and see it all as an adventure. Thank you so much, Brooke. I really appreciate it. Um, so guys go and follow Brooke at naked beauty on Instagram. So it's at Brooke DeVard is my personal account where I just post all about my family. My podcast and like skincare community is at naked beauty planet. And then the podcast is naked beauty. And there are new episodes every single Monday. So definitely subscribe to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. Um, And it's great chatting with you. So great chatting with you. All right. Well, thank you guys. And tune in next week um, for our next episode of Brutal. Brutal.